Hi, I'm Danielle Fetter. I'm Alexandra Lee, and we're the co-hosts of Partial View Podcast. And we are back. It's been Hi, so everyone. long. <laughs> it has been forever. Um, thank you all for keeping an eye out for when we would return. And we're thrilled to be back. And today we are hitting a very relevant topic, given that it is award season. Speaking of award season, we just launched our Patreon, which if you listen to our episode, a little update a couple weeks ago, you will see that you can now join our Patreon and get bonus content around award season in addition to today's episode. If you join at any level before the Tonys on June 11th. But today we are talking about rather than mine and Alex's hot takes about the nominations themselves. We are talking to Ezra Tozian about awards categories and like the the politics around theater awards in general why we care about awards too, um, either, I would say, like inside the industry and outside the industry. Ezra Tozian is a non-binary actor who specializes in new works, absurdism, and classical adaptions. They are a vocal advocate for trans and non-binary community members, accountability in rehearsal and performance spaces, and COVID safety in an industry that continues to sacrifice disabled people for money and convenience. They have appeared with theaters such as the Kennedy Center, Long Wharf Theater, and most recently, Roundhouse Theater for their National Capital New Play Festival. In 2019, they were instrumental in the push to make the categories of the Helen Hayes Awards gender inclusive and succeeded in time to award two non-binary actor performance awards in 2020. Snaps for Ezra! Which we were so (laughs) thrilled about! Uh, thanks for joining us today, Ezra. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we like to just start out with a little bit of something that's just making us happy in in culture somehow, somewhere. So if you have anything that you want to chat about, go for it. Sure. So lately, I mean, I feel like we all have been watching Succession and Barry. Yes, and that's kind of where... Finding my happiness in art right now, quote unquote happiness. Can one be happy watching those two shows? Yeah. But yeah, that's I'm what not I've been watching. On, on either of those from this week yet, but I mean, Succession has just been knocking it out of the park this Same. season. Oh, I love it. missed the early boat onto Succession, and now I feel like I just need to like wait until the season ends and binge both seasons because I'm like, I don't, I can't jump in now. It's four seasons, so. Oh, okay. I've yeah. lost. Yeah, you have time. I don't know. You I, could start now. <laughs> I'm really slow to those things. Like, I tend to be the kind of person who the more excited someone else is and the more they insist that I need to watch something, the more likely I am to be like, no, I'm not going to do it just because you said it. I'm going to do it on my own time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, not the same way. I will say there are some fun little Broadway cameos that are completely unexpected that I think you would get a lot of joy out of. I believe it. My mom still texts me every time somebody from theater is on literally anything she watches. Mm-hmm. Usually it's, um, what was it? What was that one spinoff of, uh, it, the, 
the good fight, good wife yes, situation? Yes, good, good. it was usually good fight. Lately, yeah. it's been good fight. Something I've been consuming that has been bringing me joy. It's also a TV show, but it's definitely not prestige TV. <laughs> There's a new show on Food Network that Alex Guarnaschelli created, and I love her, called Chow House, that is specifically a bunch of chefs in a like villa in Tuscany learning and competing in traditional Italian and Tuscan cooking and learning from like literal nonas that they're bringing on and as somebody who could eat pasta for every meal and who basically has never been happier than the 10 days I was in Italy a decade ago I'm I'm really enjoying watching it living vicariously through that show (laughs) amazing my mom got me a pasta making like kit for Christmas that I haven't haven't used yet we should do that. I've made, I've handmade pasta before. It's not that hard. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be pretty easy. I just like, I don't know, it's sitting over there. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Well, let's make those plans. Let's do it. <laughs> the thing I am enjoying literally right at this very moment and second is, this is not where you're going to think it's going, but I went to see the Lincoln Center revival of Camelot over the weekend. And I walk in and their gift shop is like right there when you walk in a little kiosk and my favorite tea brand harney and sons created a custom blend for the revival of camelot (laughs) and it just brought me so much joy because i think there were a couple tea companies that jumped on the hamilton boat but i'm like a sucker for a tea blend especially from harney and sons that's like for a book or a TV show or something like that. I love collecting those tins and, and trying those teas. So I was just like really thrilled to see one that was connected with theater and connected with a musical. The, the tin is absolutely gorgeous and the ingredients are great. It's black tea, almond flavor, honey flavor, nutmeg powder, cinnamon flavor, and safflower petals inspired by Camelot. That so, actually sounds delicious. It's really good. I'm drinking it right now and it smells so good. So yeah, that is, uh, that's what I'm enjoying is my little pop culture tie-in tea from Harney and Sons. Harney and Sons, please sponsor us. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Alex is not joking, <laughs> Harney and Sons. Hit us up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So now that we've chatted a little bit about what we've been enjoying, I think there's a lot that we want to talk about, but we would love to just hear about your experience with the Helen Hayes and helping get them gender inclusive in time for 2020. I think a lot of people are wondering more and more why awards are not gender inclusive in that way because in some regional Mm -hmm. markets they are and in some regional markets they aren't and as we're going to talk about later the tony awards are not and so i think just hearing a little bit about the process you went through in a community to make it happen Mm -hmm. would be very interesting sure (laughs) i think around like 2018 is when i started when um i want to say asia kate dylan So back in 2018, uh, they came out and said, like, hey, the Emmys is uh, making me choose 
actor or actress, just to be nominated, et cetera. Uh, and so I started having a conversation in our DC community on Facebook, which was where the non-union uh, community was at the time, like very actively uh, having discussions and stuff on like in Facebook groups. And so I kind of brought it forward and um, some folks were like, yeah, that makes sense. Other folks were like, mm, we're not ready yet, basically. That's what it came down to. A lot of them were understandably very concerned that if you take away uh, category segregation, that um, it would just be men winning. Yes, that's that's what I hear most often in the discussion for opposing it. Yeah, which is totally, that's a totally understandable concern, obviously, because of history, current <laughs> society. But yeah, and so I was like, cool, like that's, you know, that part of that conversation. And then, you know, everyone just kind of processed and there was a bunch of educating to do in the community in the meantime. And then like in 2019, I think I was cast as a lead in a show. And basically the same thing happened to me where it was like, okay, if you want to be nominated for Helen Hayes, like even just the possibility of it, uh, it's not like obviously it's not a given, but just to be even considered, uh, you have to choose actor or actress. And I can't remember what I did. I have no idea if I was like, well, fuck that. Um, or if I chose something. I'm really curious now. I, I should contact the, the producer and be like, what did I choose? <laughs> but anyway, and so then I got, of course, even more angry at that because then, of course, it happened to me personally. And so I started the conversation again in the same places. And this time around, folks were more, more willing to have that conversation, like in detail. And kind of like work through fear and hesitation and caution and be like, no, this needs to happen. And so someone made the suggestion that I should reach out to Amy Austin at Theater Washington, which I did. And it was really helpful at the time because there were some cis folks who were like, we will also contact her. And I was like, yes, mm -hmm. great. Thank mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not just me. Like, that's great. And yeah, so I did. Uh, so I emailed her and I was like, hey, can we talk about it? Uh, and or meet up and she was immediately like yes of course let's do this and so yeah that was like the kind of like the community part of that it's like the whole thing's a community part so after that basically we have this thing called the theater summit in dc which is like an annual i think they define it as like like an annual meeting of theater makers basically kind of like theater leadership is how i tend to it's view like it all the artistic directors and and Stuff like that, not yeah. rather than wider community. Yeah, like you don't normally see like performers. Yeah, that might be changing. I'm not sure, but at least in the past, I think the past two that I've been to, it's, you know, performers are, I think, technically allowed to show up, you know, but it's really like managing directors and like artistic directors and like all of that. But yeah, so I, I helped co-lead uh, like a session basically about uh, just kind of the idea of making uh, Helen Hayes gender inclusive and Amy brought in like a facilitator, I want to say from Philly, because I didn't want to run it alone because I'm not a facilitator. <laughs> and so it was awesome. So um, they came down and rocked it out and we had a conversation. And then after that, it was pretty much like, okay, we just need to kind of figure out how to do it. Like we, we all, I think we all can pretty much agree that this is where we want to go, but like, how are we going to do it? And so Amy... Uh, invited me to two committees for Theater Washington. And it was, there were some trans and non-binary folks as well in that, in the committees, which was nice. And yeah, we just kind of hammered it out and just tried to figure out like what to do. And like, like basically how to, how to try to prevent like all, basically all men from winning yeah. these awards. Like, it's basically education. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. it's very cool that they that it wasn't a situation where you and some other people sent an email and they were like oh yeah that's a good idea and then just like shut the door and made the decisions privately internally but actually invited you in to be part of that process yeah I think theater Washington is pretty like open and in my experience at least is I mean so invested in the community that hearing the community's voices is a huge part of their mission and what they absolutely to do for those of us who are not in DC or not super familiar with DC is theater Washington the organization that runs the Helen Hayes Awards Okay. And like they're they're pretty much they don't just just like do the Helen Hayes, mm-hmm. but they also like help promote everything that's going on in DC theater. They try and also like foster connections and through like the theater summit and things like that, you know, really help create that regional theater community that is so strong. There. Yeah, they also have uh, like taking care of our own, which is uh, super yes. amazing. Where like if you're running into hard times for whatever reason, you can reach out to the Theater Washington for like a grant. Yeah, so if you didn't know that and you're in D.C., hit them up. (laughs) And we will definitely include a link to donate to Taking Care of Our Own in our show notes because they're an incredible organization. For sure. That sounds great. Do we want to dive into a little bit of our assessment of, like, why we care about these awards and why what sort of topics we're covering in this episode and considerations about the awards. Yeah. And I'm also interested to just hear like from a performer's perspective, like what the nominations, what the awards mean to you. Sure. It's different for everyone. I'm not going to say it's like a universal idea, but I'd love to hear your specific take on it. For sure. So I think the pretty common stuff is like, you know, recognition in your community, validation in your community, that kind of stuff, uh, which is great. You know, of course, yay. And a way to celebrate, of course, yay. Please do. But I'm a rather ambitious person. And so my thing is awards equal money. Awards equal um, furthering of a career. And it's not a given, of course. It doesn't happen all the time. And it's not the only way. Like, I know. But I think it is foolish of people to ignore the fact that if you're nominated for an award or if you win the award, there is a boost to your marketability. And when you have marketability, you're able to get different types of jobs that you, that you couldn't get before um, as easily. So I think that's kind of where I land on that, where like it's if it was just like. Well, I don't even know if I could really say that. I was like, if it's just recognition, who cares? But that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it would have taken me longer to get really angry and frustrated about it if it was only recognition. But it's the fact that it can hinder people's careers that really gets me fired up. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that it's more significant when it when it's framed as an economic issue, which of course most things are. Yeah. The The whole division of fiscal versus social issues is like a false dichotomy anyway. But yeah, I hadn't thought about the awards in that sense, even though we did note in our notes, at least with the Tonys, what we know is that like it's in performers contracts through equity that they get pay bumps if they're nominated or win. And it's funny because I have a friend who has said to me before, like, you know, she watches the Tonys and whatnot, but 
she's like, at the end of the day, we're all just playing pretend and it doesn't really matter. And we're just like slapping each other on the back for playing pretend. And I think that that kind of can eliminate the business side of show business, you know? So what you're saying totally makes sense. I think in general, a lot of people like to minimize theater or filmmaking or acting or anything attached to it. It's like there's this embarrassment we're taught to feel about it. And it's like, no, this is a legitimate career. And it's a lot of hard work. And it takes a lot of money. And it's really hard to get that investment back. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we also noted this, but even on the regional level, People just pay attention to awards. People who are casual theater goers know, you know, when X theater has gotten 10 Helen Hayes awards Mm -hmm. and they're promoting it and they're putting it in their advertisements and things like that. So that's like the other side of it being like an economic reality for it's it's helping keep the industry afloat as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're talking about, you know, even in New York, like, the Tonys aside, because it's strictly commercial theater, the drama desks or any of the other off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway awards, they benefit the institutions as much as they benefit the performers or the individuals who are nominated. And yeah, like the, the economic reach of awards is, it touches everybody in the industry. Yeah, an ecosystem. Right. And and I think going back to you talking about Theater Washington as a community organization and really caring about and fostering the D.C. theater community, it's like I think that's probably the biggest difference between the D.C. market and other. And I don't know specifics about a lot of the other major regional theater markets with awards, but between D.C. and New York certainly is like the American theater wing that produces the Tonys is not at all a community organization. That is not their priority. Uh, They do not foster the Broadway community. The drama desks do not, although they, they did go switch to gender inclusive categories this year for the first time, and we'll see how that goes. They do not exist as a community hub. So it's just such an interesting difference. And I wish that some of the New York community organizations, maybe the smaller awards starting there could sort of take something away from how DC and other regions operate as far as community. I was also thinking about how much fun the Helen Hayes Awards are, (laughs) you know, like, like, and I'm sure the Tony Awards are fun, but like, generally with Helen Hayes, at least the way that this doesn't always happen, but like a theater will invite its specific community to celebrate beforehand and sometimes theaters will team up and do it and then you go to the ceremony and the ceremony is very long there are a lot of categories everyone's there everyone's celebrating and at the end of the night it's a big huge dance party with all of your friends and you're running into people who you haven't seen in forever because you all have like crazy schedules and it's just so important to be there supporting everyone and you know, the Tony Awards, you know, you wake up on Tony Sunday, you do your matinee. Which is insane dressed. to me. That is yeah, absurd. The fact that there are still matinees. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you go to the ceremony and you do the ceremony and then everyone goes off to their own little parties. 
That's the thing. I've never gotten the sense that there's been like a big community, big thing, the night of the Tonys, except for like the shared moments you maybe have in between in commercial breaks. Yeah, I think there's definitely like I would say probably Broadway, if I'm remembering correctly, like Broadway.com will have an after party or Playbill will have an after party. Um, and some shows that are really killing it in terms of money will throw their own party and other people will be invited and you'll party hop. But it's certainly not every show because that's money that a lot of these shows don't have, especially if they weren't nominated or mm-hmm. just aren't doing super well. Yeah. So the other part of the significance of awards and it's for fans like those outside the industry who just care about it and I think that's probably primarily relevant for the Tonys since they get broadcast nationally at least most of the time Mm -hmm. I will also interject sorry and just say that fans on a regional level are also often donors Mm -hmm. so then that like support also takes on a financial component But you're totally right about the Tonys kind of being a night for the Broadway fans to kind of commune. Right. It's like and you always hear, you know, that's that's sort of the way that kids who love theater, usually musicals, who don't live near or in a major theater market, find that community, find that interest and since the Internet, at least how they are able to really participate in some version of the theater community and it sets people's entire life trajectories. That's kind of like a brand that the Tony Awards have sort of latched onto in recent years. Yeah, And honoring, um, they've been doing the special award for a theater teacher Mm -hmm. that students can nominate, which I love. And yeah, I, I agree. They really have sort of plugged into that. And I think that's great. But at the same time, like back to the sort of economic impact of this is the Tonys in particular. And like we've touched on, you know, for institutions and regional awards there as well, but to a lesser extent is it's just really a giant advertisement. The Tonys especially because I find that it's one of the big complaints is often like you really feel the tension between the powers that be in the industry wanting to use this as a marketing opportunity and the artists in the community wanting the evening to be celebratory and about community rather than about the money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shows have to pay to get performance slots. Even if you're nominated for Best Musical, you're not automatically performing you're paying to perform which is often why it's a really big deal when if something is nominated but has already closed if they buy a performance slot like that's actually a big deal and also the fact that the nominations have pretty immediate effects on shows continued lives like literally hours after the tony nominations were announced dance in posted closing for they didn't get two anything. weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't see that regionally because the shows have already all happened. <laughs> They're limited runs by default. They're built into a nonprofit season. It's different economic 
considerations on those levels. Being nominated, even just that, like not even winning, just being nominated for an award uh, will definitely help a theater company, which then um, obviously helps everyone who worked on those shows and also helps audiences because they get more into different kinds of theater. Like some people might be willing to give different shows a chance. Like I'm one of those, you know, people that doesn't tend to enjoy musical theater, but like maybe if something wins like nine awards, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should give this a chance. I love that also because I I know we're talking so much about the Helen Hayes, but the Helen Hayes specifically has an award for emerging theater company that's in like its first Mm -hmm. year. And that award really bumps it up to the top of people's yep, lists. Sure does. I've seen this happen. It just goes back to kind of what I was talking about before. It really helps sustain the community and grow the community mm-hmm. in a way that like, it's almost like the Tony Awards. I'm not saying that they're not sustaining the community because they are, but in some ways then like people are out of a job, you know, because you don't get nominated and you might be out of a job for a while. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's a fickle industry. Yeah, not to not to bash the Tony Awards. I love the Tony Awards. I make a ballot every year. I'm someone. I'm one of those people that doesn't. I don't follow the Tonys, and I don't watch them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. We can bash them a little. They deserve a little bash. <laughs> like they do because they they do some insane things. Like there's an ongoing question, sort of every year, about which categories will get the benefit of being televised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was that one year they didn't televise Best Book of a Musical and people were furious or they weren't going to televise Best Orchestrations and there was an uproar and then they did. Yeah. Um, they pretty much never televised the Design Awards. Mm-hmm. There's the question of whether Best Play nominees get any airtime the way best musical nominees or best score nominees do. And, and then how do they choose to represent those plays? Like sometimes it's someone, the playwright coming up and talking about it briefly, which in the past is actually an approach that I've liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times they've done weird out of context pieces of scenes, whether they're pre-taped yeah. <laughs> or done live and those are always strange just because it's so out of context i was just gonna say that the reason we care about that though the reason we care is because it's the one night a year theater is not super localized Mm -hmm. in this country it is the one night a year that everyone around the country can have the same experience surrounding theater minus maybe the odd beauty and the beast live okay that wasn't really a musical whatever grease live things like that that we honestly don't get that much of it's the one night we can count on for us to you know all and and for people who don't know a lot about theater they might tune in and that's why we care about it we want it to be showing off our industry in the best possible light and I think that that's the tension here is the question is are they right or it's like showing off our industry in the best possible light to what end to Mm earn more money because that's usually the answer versus show off the theater industry in the best possible light for the sake of piquing someone's interest somewhere who might buy a ticket one day which does play into the financial consideration you know you Mm -hmm. want ticket buyers but it is ultimately again just a giant advertisement 
mm-hmm. it's also like I love your point, Alex, about the one night where we all get to have sort of the same experience with theater because there's always talk about how, you know, in like the early, I could say probably like pre-World War II up to like World War II U.S., like musical theater and things were, it was very much a monoculture. We, we had an American monoculture, like the songs in musical theater were the popular songs of the day. And now we just simply don't have monoculture anymore. Mm -hmm. um theater or otherwise and there are benefits to that certainly but it's like it is the sort of one day where you're like oh there's a little bit of a feeling of monoculture a feeling of larger community around theater that normally doesn't exist and that I normally don't feel and it's exciting to see it in the newspaper like if there's a big deal and then suddenly like I'm in the bodega and there's actually like something about theater on the front page of a newspaper like that's wild that doesn't happen (laughs) it's really I mean it's a good point um that it is like uh it's this one chance um not one chance it's one time annually um during oh my god during the year that is what annually means um where folks like all pay attention to theater which is rare and awesome and, you know, I'm kind of like a single, I have a single focus when it comes to award shows where like, I don't particularly care about them in general. I just want to make sure that they're like as equitable as possible, like for participants. Um, and that was kind of thing like I, and you know, this might bite me in the butt later when eventually I do work on off-Broadway and Broadway, et cetera, but I'm not there yet. So whatever, mm-hmm. like I'm mad at the Tonys. And I'm mad at all these um, award shows that still have segregated uh, categories. Like, I think it's absolutely absurd. Um, and especially something like the Tonys has the responsibility to um, mm-hmm. combine, <laughs> make it gender inclusive, basically. Uh, make their awards categories gender inclusive. One, because it's incredibly easy to do. It's like everyone just makes it seem like it's harder than it is. It's like it's not. Like there's so many awards, um, so many examples out there. People you can contact. How did you do this? You know, um, and the Tonys especially. They have the time. They have the money. Um, and especially since it reaches so many people, I think it would be incredibly important. But there's certainly not, at least that I've heard so far. I don't know about behind the scenes, of course, but they don't seem really interested. Well, that seems like a great segue Mm -hmm. to talk about what happened this year, which is that this conversation has been going on regarding the Tonys. But this year, I think it really it got news and it got Mm -hmm. came to a head because there actually was a non-binary performer who asked to be abstained from consideration. And I just have to say that I saw them. Justin David Sullivan is doing mm-hmm. such amazing work in Anne Juliet. I'm not saying they would have definitely been nominated, mm-hmm. but I think they would have had a great shot. And again, like you said, it is a consideration for their career. There are ramifications. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, good for them. On the other hand, we do have two non-binary performers who are both, they're both in the best actor category for their respective and there are a number of different considerations there. You know, like Jay Harrison Gee uses he and they pronouns and is also playing a role that is for about two thirds of the show canonically male. 
and then mm-hmm. has you know in I mean the I don't know who knows the plot of Some Like It Hot uh but spoilers for Some Like It Hot the and Broadway I guess the old old Marilyn Monroe movie but the character is disguised as a woman to escape being the target of a mafia hit because he and his his friend witnessed a mafia hit happen and so they were they're going to be killed because they saw it and so they're trying to outrun the mafia and join an all-women's traveling performance group and Jay Harrison Gee's character finds over the course of you know a few months of doing this that they're experiencing like total gender euphoria and essentially comes out as a trans woman but for the majority of the show the character identifies as male and jay harrison gee himself uses he don't know if I, yes i get what you're saying i don't think i agree i think, I, think if, I, I can mm-hmm. i can see why some folks would be like oh well they're like that's that's easier but they're still non-binary, um, you know? And so it's like, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, it's easier to, f- to yes. and you know, I, obviously exactly. it's all very personal, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to say like, oh, they fall back on like, you know, the binary pronouns or like binary genders because it's quote unquote easier or whatever. Like, it's not that. But I know that like, that's a lot easier for folks to understand and be like, oh, well, of course they chose actor. But it's like, well, no, but like they are non-binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, Right. They shouldn't, they have, shouldn't to have to choose. hundred <laughs> percent. And actually, exactly. that's a question. It's like, I'm not sure. And I don't know that because this all happens. I mean, because it's so personal, this happens not publicly. This happens sort of behind the scenes. It's not clear if every every time this comes mm-hmm. up, whether the performer is actually presented with a choice or whether, which it shouldn't, there shouldn't be a choice to begin with, but mm-hmm. there's still a question of like, mm-hmm. did this performer consent to being considered in this category? Or what did the Tony eligibility committee and or the producers of the show just make that call? I mean, Ezra, you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of yeah. discussion around like the language used. For these conversations mm-hmm. you know if you wanted to speak about oh, sure. you know gender neutral gender inclusive genderless yeah um and sort sure. of de- these i know for instance like with, the with helen hayes specifically in, initially we were gonna go with like gender neutral awards and i know that's like the big thing on like i looked up uh before uh this chat and i see that a lot like variety gender neutral awards da, 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 da. And like, okay and you know the like obviously this is all new ish like the, fi- us finding language for it like we're still trying to figure out what words to use and what phrases to use and so who knows in the future maybe gender neutral is exactly what people want to use and great fine but i really prefer gender inclusive because to me gender neutral is getting rid of gender to me it's like erasing gender people etc whereas gender inclusive is like the term gender inclusive mm-hmm. is like we are welcoming all genders here like like you don't have to erase anything or be this like gray slab, <laughs> you can be who you are. Mm-hmm. And so I remember definitely having many discussions about that. Like in every, there's a group discussion as well for that with Helen Hayes. And then also we landed on, I want to say like lead performer and supporting performer. I want to say, I could be wrong, but definitely the word performer. 
And um, that was because we couldn't, it was probably the most inclusive term we could think of. Like we didn't want to go with actor, for instance, because I know some folks do feel like this is gendered. I was like, cool, well then performer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I just looked at what the drama desks are Mm -hmm. doing this year and they're doing outstanding lead performance and outstanding feature performance. So it's not even, Mm -hmm. it's about the performance rather than the performer to an extent. Also going off of that, one of the things I was thinking of when we were brainstorming this episode Mm. is the use of, I think the Tonys and I think other awards do this, the term Mm -hmm. best. Like really, you look at a crop Mm. of nominees for a certain category and they're all doing outstanding work saying that one is best because they're doing xyz just really gets my goat like i just really love when i see awards using outstanding or distinguished or just like something that is saying in this moment you are doing Mm -hmm. something that we think is extraordinary and we're not like gonna rank you among your peers I know it's still yeah. A I was gonna bit say I, I don't know if I agree because drama desks do it was it's outstanding lead performer, lead performance in a play, yeah. and by awarding somebody, you're. I would also hope that we all want the subjective of this bunch. You know, I mean, I, I hope that that completely. folks that attend and see yes. kind of go uh, like, yeah. oh, oh yeah, absolutely, sure, like, like absolutely. This could be a good segue to also chat about like how awards are like the people who make up kind of the nominating committees and the awards committees, just how things are sort of done. And I'll admit that this is still kind of a mystery to me on a lot of levels. I'm more familiar with things like how things are adjudicated for the Helen Hayes, but I think that every year we kind of, the New York theater community kind of has this like communal recollection that like you don't have to see every show to be a Tony nominator. No, I think the nominators do have to see everything. It's the voters. It's the Tony voters. voters Because the the nominating committee and then the Tony voters for the awards are different pools of people. Yes, they are. Um, I also know for a fact that you can vote on shows that are directly competing with shows financially you have in, which i feel like is which i feel like is a weird thing we should right get like if of. you are actively a producer of one or multiple shows that season on broadway like maybe you don't vote yeah and I, at least I know with the Helen Hayes, you're very much put into like a group of you're going to see like musicals that are mostly non-equity and you are going to have this list and you're going to have to prove that you went to every single show. I think at one point it was like you have to upload your ticket stub now that there's a lot of electronic tickets. I don't know if that is still happening, but it was very regimented in a way because they wanted to make sure people like weren't just taking advantage of getting comp tickets to whatever they wanted, but also were giving due consideration to all of the castmates, directors, designers, companies, and making it equitable, which I guess is like the buzzword of this conversation. Like, I think it's a really good way to make that happen. And I also know that there's like, I think it's like a three year term 
for the Helen Hayes, or it was at one point. I feel like a lot of things have changed since the pandemic. But there's there is like a that's really term. great. It's like term limits for more things. Just yeah. we'll leave it at <laughs> yes. that. Um, but, yeah. but I think as we're, the way you were talking about the language and that it's when talking about non-binary performers that it isn't about you know like removing gender as a consideration it isn't about androgyny it's about inclusivity is like I see this play out in a lot of different ways that don't even have to do with gender but just Mm -hmm. have to do with the way our society is obsessed with binary categorization in general like even even genre like comedy drama and the (laughs) leading featured which isn't really like a binary so much but like they have split it into two categories and I think all of it would be well served to be viewed as more of a spectrum because like one my favorite plays and musicals like typically do not fall into a clean genre categorization. I think plays that cannot fit neatly in drama or comedy are the ones that are most realistic and most true to life for me. You know, like people break up tension with humor and sadness and grief, like coexist with Mm -hmm. humor constantly. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, even just speaking personally, like one of the funniest things that has happened in my recent memory happened at a funeral. (laughs) So it's like with genre, I mean, that's just my personal soapbox is like, it it drives me crazy. And it leads to some pretty funny mishaps, but also it's very frustrating. Like, just remember the Golden Globes was tweeting out uh, as awards categories were happening like they would tweet out the winner and clearly they had like pre-drafted these and pre-scheduled them so the one for uh best comedy or musical which west side story won the tweet was like i should have pulled up the screenshot in advance we'll share it and the show notes are on um our instagram (laughs) close friends if you join our patreon um but we just plug um but oh wow it was like oh wow for the laughs west side story it was like it was so bad it was it was horrible and it's like that wouldn't have happened if they weren't automatically associating a musical with comedy i just saw today um dating the day that we are doing this podcast um that schmigadoon petitioned to be considered as a limited variety series instead of a comedy, and they got denied. And I just think, like, let them <laughs> compete. That's true. They yeah. want to compete, you know? Like, in the end, everything's fake. Everything <laughs> is fake. The other part of it is, like, there's also always an outcry. No, mm-hmm. outcry is the word. There's always some kind of push for, like, a best ensemble award. And because this is where I was going with the um, leading versus featured is it's like, was it at the Helen Hayes, Alex, that you mentioned when the Wolves won Best Ensemble? Yeah. Yeah, they they stormed the stage. They did a little speech, but then they all got together and did like a soccer chant that either they did in the show or like they did maybe backstage. It was so cute. It was 
It was and a great moment. There are absolutely shows that it seems impossible and ridiculous to look mm-hmm. at the cast and look at the roles and decide who's leading and who's featured. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this in our in our bonus episode about the actual nominations this year. But Cost of Living by Martina Mayo is a four person play, and and three out of the four of the actors were nominated for performance awards at the Tonys, which is incredible because it closed months ago, and I'm thrilled that it's getting recognition because it was an incredible play. But I'm just grabbing the list because I am pretty sure all three of them are being considered in featured and i think it's wild and shitty that um three of them are nominated and then like this fourth actor greg mosgala was not nominated and like he should be yeah and unless he abstained and we don't know about it but like i feel like they would have there would have been some mention of it and right and it's like or alternatively Cost of Living could have been nominated for Best Ensemble if one if an award existed. Yes. And if there wasn't like a lot of competition, just give them a special Tony Award. We do it all the There's time. There's no standardization for them. That's another thing we have. It's like, I don't <laughs> it's think so, they give out. It's so arbitrary. They don't, I think there's like some pool of special categories that they have done in the past that they like maybe reference to pull from each year. And there's obviously a couple things that they do every year, like a, you know, lifetime achievement, that kind of thing. But there's no standardization of it. Talking about, well, how do we change the performance categories to be gender inclusive? How would we go about doing that? Well, they're all made up. You made all of them up and you make them up every year. So just, just yes, and educate your judges, of your course. Keyboard, like it's a whole type something new. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. That's the thing. That's yeah, that is the current big concern. Because if you do, if you, know, if you just if you just hit uh, you know, backspace and go, cool, we're inclusive now. It's like your judges are still judging the same. So it has to be a, a top down, bottom up. I don't know. It has to be a full. Mm. Yes. Full spectrum approach. Um, yeah. I'm really curious. Yeah, I know that's something what, that the Helen Hayes is really trying to drive home as as this that. year is that like in 2020 was the first year that the the award titles had changed. This is the first like full Helen Hayes that was also fully adjudicated with mm-hmm. all of the new stuff thing and, and all that. So I know uh, make that distinction as well. Yes. Right, because yeah. like they made that change in, yeah. in 2020. And yes, then I'm actually uh, presenting. For 2020. Uh, and, the, the supporting, you, I'm co-presenting the, ceremony, the supporting Ezra? category. Yeah. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any uh, other I don't know how. Or uh, this is definitely like something I brought up uh, when I was in the Theater Washington committees as well. I would really love to see stage management get some kind of recognition, award, something. And I know it's tough. It's definitely something that's, you know, like I say it's tough because I'm not a stage manager. Like, I'm sure there, there are people out there with solutions. Um, and I wish that those people would be contacted so that we could start recognizing all of the incredible hard work that they do. 
for starters, stage management, I would say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Especially because Absolutely. we're talking about, like, the professional level awards in New York, especially. It's like, they're all equity mm-hmm. shows. And these are equity, like, stage managers are equity members. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, even if it's just to like write in and nominate somebody, because mm-hmm. there are so many stage managers, especially in the DC community, who move around to different theaters or have their own home theater, sort of. Yeah. And it would be great to just see who the community wants to recognize. It's each true. Year. Yeah, that's and just that's and, true for New York too. Evaluate like, it at the um, off Broadway theaters I've worked at. Yeah. Um, there have been, there's a lot of like familiar stage manager faces, like people that come back. Mm -hmm. Um, but they also, you know, maybe aren't available at, um, any of the off-Broadway theaters for a bit because like they do have a Broadway show. Like it is a pretty like recognizable core group of people. Like you get, you do get familiar with the names. There's also, that's a great idea. There, there's also another thing that I have to give a shout out to my friend Elizabeth Sharp Levine for this because she gets on her soapbox about this every year around the Tonys and I am fully a convert to this point of view which is that in the same way that there is an award for best musical and best book of a musical which implies a separation between the overall production and the script of the show, it is bizarre that we only have best play, but no best script. There should Mm be best play to recognize the best production of a new play and then a best script specifically for the writing. Um, I am... Yeah, I saw so I saw that note. This perspective. And I was like, Shout out I, to seriously? Elizabeth. And I looked up the Helen Hayes and I was like, okay, cool. Because we do, we have like a, a new play or a musical adaption category. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, good. We have that. Yeah, that's absurd to me that somehow mm-hmm. that's not recognized. <laughs> yeah, and I would also love, I'm just thinking of this now, but it's like, you know, for the mm-hmm. Oscars or anything like that like there's always a best adaption mm-hmm. category and part of me is mm-hmm. like well maybe we couldn't do that <laughs> in new york because then everything would be in the ad- adaptation category and nothing would be in the new category <laughs> but no like it's super interesting to me like even just looking at the tonys this year under i think best revival of a play yeah best revival of a play mm-hmm. one of the nominations is amy herzog's new version of a doll's house It's very interesting to me that it's being considered as a revival, even though it's a new script. I think it might be. So I don't know because I actually haven't haven't yet either. And I think it might be like a situation where she actually didn't change a lot of text, just condensed it because it's a 90 minute A Doll's House. And that play is supposed to run three hours. So I think that that might be like the difference there. Could be wrong. This is this is where the dramaturg side of me comes out and is like, I understand. Ditto. Yeah, no, but I it's think. just interesting in in terms of like, adapt like the question of adaptation yeah. as its own category. Yeah, and similarly, like Drama Desks has an award for best lyrics, which I would yeah. love to see at the Tonys. 
because I yeah. lyrics are the thing like just speaking personally that when I'm watching a musical or listening to a musical that is the thing that I get really the most drawn to or even just like literally any songwriting like that's what I'm drawn to first are the lyrics mm. and sort of marveling at like being inventive with your lyrics and and different and obviously mm-hmm. you know like crazy Sondheimian rhyme schemes but uh yeah it's like <laughs> if the Tonys added best lyrics it probably wouldn't be televised <laughs> I think that what I would like to see different about awards is just making sure that we are honoring as much of the community as possible, which I think is something that I saw a lot in DC, but I know maybe isn't the case across the country. And like we were talking about before is maybe not the case, definitely not the case for the Tonys. And what I mean by that is like making sure that people are having a fun time. Like, I just think that working in theater is Mm -hmm. so hard and the schedule is so grinding and you are in a show so you can't see your friend's show and you're like, you know, you get your one day off. No, I'm so sorry. I can't come to your reading because I'm so burnt out. In a lot of cases, we're like, I have a kid. Yes, yes, yes. Or just like, I need to be a person. I need to not be in theater. So like in that moment when you're choosing to go to an award ceremony, be considered, whatever. I think that just making sure that everybody is able to have the best time possible, which does start with them being more equitable in their structure and also just being more welcoming across the board, not being elitist. You know, that's something that I would like to see change and i will not say no to a rousing dance party with oh you should definitely be taking the day off we all have a lot of drinks (laughs) that's yes and then have to go to work at 9 a.m the next day (laughs) speaking from (laughs) helen hayes experience alex so anything else any last wondering (laughs) thoughts i know we like i feel like we've covered a lot of ground and then it's also like we've covered no ground okay sure Danielle and I have this joke. We're good. We're done. Like like we finish an episode and we're like, cool. Well, we solved it. Um, (laughs) I wish that award ceremonies would care about the immunocompromised, frankly. I know I'm going to Helen Hayes in two weeks and I'm really nervous because I'm immunocompromised and I'm wearing a mask, but there will be hundreds of people there that are not. And I really wish that... These awards were actually for the community completely, not just, you know, for those that it's convenient for. Before we fully wrap up, Ezra, do you have any social Instagram, media which is just Ezra Periodosian, uh, but it is private. So plug? like, I don't know, good luck. Um, but also, I do have a website, which is EzraTosian.com. Uh, if you do want to contact me, I will definitely get that uh, email whatever. I don't have anything coming up. I'm just auditioning and relaxing, resting, imagine. (laughs) So presenting. Yes. And then presenting at the Helen Hayes Awards in a couple weeks. I don't know. I think I'm just, I mean, surprise, surprise. If you saw me normally, like I just wear all black, like that's just, but that's literally my personality. They're all black. And so as of right now, that's it. It's like everything just all black 
Um, mm. But we'll see. I might go sparkly. We'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe just black sequins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming and chatting with us today. Good. I, I think that we both feel like we had just like yeah. had a great discussion getting into stuff. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Give us a follow on social media at Partial View Pod on all the things, including Patreon, which, again, if you join our Patreon at any tier prior to June 11th, which is the Tony Awards, you will get access to our award season bonus content and other perks even after the Tonys. So check that out. And let's kick off the sign off for the first time. Alex, we solved it. We solved awards categories. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Any opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and do not reflect the views of our or our guests, employers or clients. For more of our opinions and other theater-related content, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and pretty much everywhere else at Partial View Pod. You can also find and support us on Patreon. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Fetter and on Instagram at Danielle.Fetter. Follow me there. And I tweet and post pictures of my theater programs and books at Alexandra D-L-E-Y. Till next time.